Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by CornNation.com, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and uh, join me as always. He is our founder and fearless leader at CornNation.com, John Dam Johnston. Hello, Johnny boy. How you doing? I, I'm doing well. I, I would have figured that after such a uh, such bravado in the introduction, you would have given me a little bit more there, but I see that's how it's going to be I, this week. I, I just got done eating a big dinner. Well, let's talk about that, shall we? Why? Because I'm curious. <laughs> but before we do that, let's uh, let's bring in our, our our third this week. We've had him on before. He is your longtime friend, and he brings the uh, average age of the podcast participants back up to close to sixty years old. He is Todd Wolverton. Hi, Todd. Well, hello, Greg. How are you? I'm oh, doing good. Fuck. Look, now that's the that's Come the type on. of the kind of excitement you got to bring to this show, John. Okay, yay, yay. Like, look, we get it. You are sitting in somebody's basement, clearly not in your own office. You're not wearing your uh, five heart robe. I feel a little betrayed by that. Uh, it, but it's good. You actually have on clothes, like you've been out among people. I have been out among people and people that don't know me. And I, I actually didn't swear that much around it. it was, it was I don't believe it. I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, I, I'm not me. You're not you when you don't swear. I'm in the basement of my sister's house in Lincoln, Nebraska, the fatherland, the place where it all began, kind of. Well, let's, let's recap your day because earlier today, the two of you got together and while we were promised a fight instead I, I, I think you settled things over uh over maybe a, a couple of beverages well here's the deal on on one of your more recent podcasts john written me and said he next time he got a hold of me he was going to strangle me and you know that kind of tough talk there has to be an answer to that but I hadn't seen him for a while, and so he's in Lincoln. I'm in Lincoln. I'm living in my parents' basement now. I don't. I and, don't know if you're, you're not supposed to admit that, Todd. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but we met for lunch today, and we were amicable. And I did feel some sense of guilt that I didn't, you know, stand up for my manhood and kick his ass. But you know, that wouldn't be very nice in a restaurant. So. No, and I, I actually felt sorry for Todd because he is 58 years old living in his parents' basement. What a loser, son of a bitch. And, I mean, and, what am I going to do? Kick his ass, beat the shit out of him, and then people are going to be like, hey, why don't you just go beat up some homeless people? You know what I mean? Why don't you pick on the, the underprivileged in society and kick them around? And I felt bad for all of our potential fans on YouTube because we were going to launch a coordination five heart podcast youtube channel and that was going to be our first video and so all of you listening out there in podcast line have been robbed of the opportunity so my look apology. at these guns look and, and <laughs> oh, i wish we were doing this on video uh because john just pulled up uh his his right uh the sleeve of his right arm and showed off the angel hairiest spaghetti noodle of an arm you'll ever come across Flashing his skin again, flashing his it's, skin. It, it's, it looks like you took a, a, a piece of spaghetti and you wrapped it in like uh, a, the skin, uh, the raw skin of a chicken thigh. Wow. Jeez. I was dead. People restrict me from lifting much stuff. <laughs> it's not like I can go around and bench press 235 pounds like I used to. Sure. Just a few years ago. Could you do uh can't, could you do body weight lifts? Nobody'll let me. Nobody'll let me. You can't do like body weight lifts? You can't uh you can't do a, a push up or a, a push up from your knees? 
push-up from my knee? Yeah, you know, like in 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 school they were called girls push-ups, but okay, since no, but since I'm out of shape, up. like they're For God's sakes, you know what? I'll tell you what. When we do this as a video, I just go ahead and do some push-ups while I'm talking on the podcast. All right? Yep. That's what we want to see. Yeah. All right. Fifteen-year-old guys doing push-ups. <laughs> we're we're gonna hook the viewers from day one with uh, with that. Uh, so after you and Todd John got to, together earlier in the day, you had a delightful meal uh, from a culture that uh, I've never had. I've never had Indian food, and you partook tonight. How was it? It was pretty decent. I'm not a big Indian food fan, but uh, this stuff was fairly good. Don't ask me what any of it was called, because I don't remember. We went to a uh, tan door in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, and, uh, you know, it was, it was very pleasant company, and, and I didn't swear a lot at people that were strangers to me, and, uh, uh, I don't know, we had sauces and rice and things, and, and it was pretty decent. Remember just a few weeks ago when we had Nate and his lovely wife, Christy, on the show, and you just swore like a sailor up and down? Oh, yeah, I remember her because she was nice looking. <laughs> not not wrong, Nate. Nate again, congratulations. <laughs> um, but you know, you, you, I like how sometimes John, you don't have a filter, and I gotta say, non-filter John is my favorite kind of John. Well, plus my sister earlier today was telling me that I shouldn't swear as much because then I sound unintelligent. And she was supposed to come up with another F word for me to use, but apparently didn't bother. So, you know, I, I, actually I, you think know, I, had, a, I had a big dinner. I'm kind of stuffed. You know, I'm trying to, you know how you do that. And it's like, uh, uh. Now, there have been a number of, I got the uh, virus. there have been a number of scholarly articles, John, that link swearing and the amount of swearing uh, as a sign of more intelligence, not less. Did you run that uh, past your sister? Nah, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we've talked a, a little bit about food so far. We're going to just keep it going with a food-related topic, and that is that you may or may not have heard, but if you did, if you checked uh, coronation.com earlier in the week and the flakes, uh, then you know that Runza is suing a company in Texas called, I don't know, it's like Texas runs a company, not creative at all. And look, let's face it, there's only one Runza. They've kind of got the market cornered on weird fast food sandwiches. You, you can't, like McDonald's isn't, you know, there's a reason it's called McDonald's and not hamburger and fries. You know, it, it, you can't name yourself, I mean, unless you're a Runza, you can name yourself a product and that'd be, the thing but you can't have somebody else say we're runs the south which apparently is what this company in texas was doing guys weigh in todd well yeah i read the article and and, and that was my thought process a little bit i understand you know the the sandwich is commonly called a runza or at least that's what i've heard it called and the restaurant's called runza and i understand that they've got a trademark on the name of the rest restaurant but you know, thousands of restaurants have hamburgers, and they don't trademark hamburger. How do you, you can't trademark the name of that sandwich. You can't trademark bologna sandwich. So I'm, I guess I'm a little bit confused on why can't they um, call their sandwich Runza. Now, I understand why they can't call the business mm -hmm. Texas Runza, but is, I guess I don't know exactly where the fight is. So uh, this is from northeast.newschannelnebraska.com. Northeast Nebraska. Anyway, uh, Runza National filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court uh, against Doug and David Alexander and their business, Texas Runza Kings LLC. First of all, if you're an offshoot of the original, you're not the Kings. You're at very best the Knave. Um, and Runza has uh, had the federally registered trademark since 1950. So again, you couldn't, you know, it, I think we, we saw this a little bit similar to this in the movie Coming to America. Instead of McDonald's, it was McDowell's. You know, it was 
close, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't understand why in Texas, with all that good barbecue down there, why the hell they'd want a hamburger and cabbage sandwich anyway. Why? Who, who in Texas would even buy the damn thing? Are you saying that barbecue is better than a runza, Todd? Oh, Todd, it, choose your choose your market, choose your demographic on the show carefully. I'm going with barbecues better than Aramunza. It's not even close, for God's sake. Come on. You know, I mean, it doesn't. Where were these people at in Texas? What part of Texas were they in? I'm finding that for you right now. Keep, keep talking. Well, the thing about the Runza is the Runza is really good for the cold weather, you know. I'm not sure that barbecue holds up as well in the really cold weather. But the oh, Runza so there does. is an advantage. That's the advantage to a runs. Yeah, it's a pocket warmer. Company oh. address is, now I'm not going to give the street name, it's, it's available on Google, but it's Dallas. Okay, so, you know, Dallas, it gets really cold there. It gets down to a whole 32 degrees, sometimes one or two days of the year. So maybe the runs that down there has some usefulness as an edit, edible pocket warmer. Well, by that theory. Now, when we're talking barbecue, are you talking about a Texas barbecue or are you talking about North Carolina barbecue that's more vinegary? Kind of Kansas City barbecue? Are we talking uh, those those damn people that they're going out grilling, but they go, we're going barbecuing, and it's not really the same thing? I think we're talking Texas, John. That's where the (laughs) law is directed. (laughs) Just clarifying. Oh, can and you, there's no way that Aranza beats Texas barbecue. And I'm sorry if I have to turn in my Nebraska card, my membership card, but barbecue is barbecue. There you go. That, that ends it all. Okay. The reason, <laughs> the reason, I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't name Aranza Aranza somewhere else. It's the same reason people can't call their hamburgers Big Mac. It's a name. It's not a description. A hamburger is a description. Big Mac is a specific hamburger with a name. That makes sense. Okay, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. And the other thing is, is obviously these guys from Texas South, Runza King guys, uh, they they were looking for a lawsuit because they've got instant publicity. And what are they going to do with the lawsuit? They're going to go, it cost us two grand to settle this thing out of court. You know, another two grand in lawyers' fees, maybe because their hair, Uncle Bob did it, and he owes them because they have photos or some damn thing. Uh, you know, it's probably pretty cheap marketing for them. I feel but as we all know, there doesn't need to be a logical reason for anybody to sue another person. They just need to have money to get a lawyer and file a lawsuit. Am I right on that, Todd? Because there seems to be that you don't actually need some kind of logical reason to do this. People always point out that, you know, XYZ is being sued as if they did something evil. And really, that's just stupid. I feel like the, the next question that I have, of many, of many, I want to start, I want to go back because we were talking about, you know, uh, Runza's being a cold weather, you know, holding up better in cold weather versus uh, uh, barbecue. Which brings me to my first question, and that's chili. I am a firm believer, right or wrong, that you can't have chili if the thermometer reads over 40 degrees. Why do you put these restrictions on your life? Why do you do this to yourself? Why can't you just enjoy life? Do we need another rule in life? It's not a rule. It's a guideline. No, you can just have chili. You know why? Sometimes when it's 105 degrees outside, you could have like a a nice chili that's extremely hot, burns your head, your head sweats, a cool breeze comes by, hits that sweat, cools you down. I'll I'll tell you. Go ahead, Todd. No, well, I just read in the World Herald today that chili and cinnamon, I can't pronounce this word right, (laughs) cinnamon. Chili and cinnamon rolls is Nebraska. 
We just lost Todd. Huh? You is Nebraska, and then it it went quiet. What cinnamon rolls and chili is Nebraska's what? Iconic food. According to Damian Daniels, see, we always bring it, find a way to bring it back to Nebraska. And I don't know if maybe they're piggybacking off of a tweet that he had earlier this week. Uh, he was uh, quoting a tweet from someone else on Twitter that says, how did chili and cinnamon rolls become a thing? Damian Daniels says, I swear I found out when I moved to Nebraska. I have only attempted this once. I'm from Illinois. Take it with a grain of salt. My chili go-to side has always been cornbread. Um, but Haas, we love him and we miss him, uh, convinced me last year. I mean, he didn't convince me. Like, he was literally pulling on, twisting my arm. But he said, you need to try cinnamon rolls in chili. But you got to put the cinnamon roll in the bottom of the bowl. I'm doing visual aids uh, for everybody at home listening. <laughs> One hand is the bowl. The second hand is the cinnamon roll. And then you pour the chili on top, and it wasn't the same. I, I didn't. I did not go for it. I thought you just dipped the cinnamon roll in the chili. What I've heard from most of the people that I've talked to about it is, you put the cinnamon roll in the bowl and you pour the chili on top of it, that and it and it weird. blends the sweetness with with the heat. But going back to you know chili being a, a warm or, or a cold weather thing. It's it's a very hearty meal, at least if it's done right, in my opinion. Kind of like um, my wife makes a tremendous chicken and dumplings recipe. It's actually my grandma's recipe. I conned her into making it years ago. But it's like one of those things, we only have it between like November and March because it's such a hearty meal. I know, John, I'm putting all these restrictions on myself, um, but that's okay. It, I don't want to eat a super hearty meal like that in summertime. You just, I, I feel... I mean, I'm fat enough as it is. I don't want to feel like I'm carrying around an extra 15 pounds of food. Okay, then. (laughs) I guess you have these rules you have to live by. Again, guidelines, not rules. Guidelines, okay. Uh, And then we were talking about barbecue. We were talking, at least in this case, Texas barbecue is probably most likely. Kansas City's famous for their barbecue. St. Louis is as well. Memphis, uh, you know, they have the big Memphis in May. Uh, barbecue championship uh, North Carolina or maybe the Carolinas but it does it, it seems like like nobody's talking about not to say that you know there's not barbecue you know west of the Rocky Mountains but nobody ever talks about it you know like they might take elements of something and you, you're not going to go to California and not ever come across the barbecue joint but there's nothing regionally famous about Nevada, Utah, Washington, any of those, you know what I mean, barbecue places, right? At least nothing that I hear of. Enlighten Korean me, Korean barbecue. Okay, Mongolian. Which is, yeah. But I meant, you know, stateside. Smartass. I went to Korean barbecues in California. What the hell? Okay, but I mean... I mean it, they're but, not the same. But it's still, it's still Korean barbecue. It's not like, you know, there's the California Pizza Kitchen or whatever, but there's no... You don't hear of any famous California barbecue joints. Not to say it's not a big thing, you just don't hear about it. That's probably because the guys in the South would drive to California and shoot those people. We hope not. We've seen enough enough turmoil. Violence? We don't we we, we have okay, enough we have enough division in our world right now, John. We don't need to start the great barbecue wars, all right? <laughs> You know, since I've been here in Nebraska, what I've been hearing about is that the beef is incredibly expensive. Todd, I'm Nobody? not in Nebraska. You are. I I don't doubt that. I haven't actually looked at the prices. I've only been in a grocery store once since I've been here. Miss Bob buys his food. <laughs> God, in pity. You haven't been anywhere because your mom is cooking for you. Your mother is buying your food. You're 58 freaking years old. You've retired from one career. You're living in a basement, and your mother is doing your cooking. You don't know anything what anything costs anymore because you're a loser. You sure you don't want to have this fight, Todd? Well, she's doing my laundry, too. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> my my bigger question 
I mean, Todd, at least you're in the basement, but John's in the basement, but he's occasionally getting a lot more fired up. And I'm just figuring, did he like give his sister a disclaimer before starting to record the episode? I said that I was going downstairs and there would probably be a lot of yelling and swearing. That's <laughs> that's a disclaimer. I mean, I don't think your wife gets that much of a disclaimer anymore. No, but they she she's used to me for years, you know, screaming at the TV during football games. Is there... I was going to take it a really, really bad place. I had to stop myself. I didn't want to corrupt, corrupt the young ears listening to the show. Just use your imagination, John. See if you can get there. Young ears? No, nah, I mean, never mind. Um, you mean like 30-year-olds? What? What is that? That's young to you, John. Um, I, I'll have to tell you off air. It's not something I want to repeat. People who are listening, if they're like-minded with me, they know. And they're like, yeah, Greg, we're with you. You're going to chime in here, Todd. You I, I, I have nothing to say, John. You've got my blood boiling. <laughs> oh, what, what else did you tell me at lunch today about the beer in the fridge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so my mom... So my mom said... <laughs> Could you clear some of that beer out of here? They went grocery shop. <laughs> can you clear some of the beer out of here so I can put my groceries away? Todd's over here like, yeah, yeah mom, give me an hour. I'll clean about 20 of them out. <laughs> you could have uh, put up a little dorm fridge and put it in the basement where you live now. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you can even make it up and down the stairs more than two or three times. I'm guessing you just bring a six-pack down at a time and just leave it down there. Well, mom, my mom told me that my sister-in-law actually has two dorm refrigerators for sale. <laughs> and she said, do you suppose we should go out and get one? I guess we should. I guess we should go out and get one so I have a beer fridge. Yeah. Your mother had to bring this up. That's how sad you are. This is how... God, you move home and suddenly it's like, hey, I'm 18 again. Mom, when's the laundry going to be done? Wow. God. You know, it, it, I had told people that when I took this job over here and with all of the other stuff going on in our lives, I said, yeah, I'm going to be 58 years old living in my parents' basement. And everybody chuckled at that. And it is, it's, it's really kind of a strange thing, but they're happy to see me. They are happy to see me. Did anybody abuse you verbally like John? Oh, no. Yeah. My wife, my wife. She doesn't use as many swear words, but. Nobody does. No. Not out loud she does it. You know damn well she's thinking them. <laughs> well, let's, uh. It, Let's get to some. And then she says in the background under her voice, I should have left with John when I had the chance. <laughs> All right. Well, before we have to take a break, because we're almost to that point already. Oh, my God, we are. Yeah, we're we not far off. Sport. Uh, I mentioned Damien Daniels. I mentioned Damien Daniels and his uh, discovery of uh, chili and cinnamon rolls. So, yeah, we got some sports in so far. That's what count for sports now isn't it it's, we're at that point yeah anything That's any any name drop in the basement well we have some good news on the sports front but we have to go to the other side of the football and we learned earlier this week that husker running back Dedrick mills was named to the doke walker watch list which i mean let's face it damn near everybody is uh in july but uh uh, he was. Uh, he led the Huskers with 745 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns, or an honorable mention All Big Ten from coaches and the media uh, last year. He earned a pair, posted a pair of 100 yard games, and we saw as the season went on, when uh, as Dedrick Mills goes, so goes the Huskers. You know, they uh, uh, had 188 yard game against Wisconsin. And the other 100-yard game was against Northern Illinois, which I don't think uh, counts nearly as looks nearly as impressive. Uh, that being said, you know we're at least getting something, you know, press release 
you know, some type of press release that's sports related. That's not, I don't know if we're going to have games this year. I don't know if we're going to have non-conference games this year. I don't think any uh, fans are going to be allowed in the stands this year. That type of thing. You know what's sad is that we used to say that all the time. Everybody gets named to these watch lists, and now we have hardly any Husker players named to these fucking watch lists. We are suck. We are balls of suck. There needs to get rid of this whole virus thing so we can build back up and not be balls of suck anymore. I got all exercised out there. (laughs) Probably more exercise than Todd did all day being in the basement. I worked today, John. I wasn't just driving around Nebraska saying hi to people. I worked. Touche. What do you say to that, John? I think Mills, you know, Mills should have a good season if we have a season. You know, he was light, you know, night and day different from, you know, the first few games once he figured out, um, you know, to let the – let the blocks happen in front of him rather than just hitting the line real quick, you know, like he did in the triple option. But it would be, it would be, um, it's really important that he does have a good season though. They're not going to have uh, a whole lot of success on offense if he doesn't. What's going to happen? What's going to happen if, if, you know, if, if, for example, a team goes into a game and we don't have any offensive linemen? Why wouldn't we I mean, have literally offensive zero. linemen? What? Why With wouldn't COVID? we have offensive linemen? Yeah. No, you just. I mean, if we don't have any quarterbacks, if we don't have any wide receivers, no, you, I mean, you, you think you, about what's going to happen. You, you here. put the offensive linemen in there, and you just have them cough on the oppos- opposing defensive linemen. Right. Right. You, you put your COVID raptured offensive linemen in there, and you just have them cough on whoever's standing across the line of scrimmage from him. They won't be playing the detested positive. Take that for an example. Are you going to have waves of offensive linemen? You know what I mean? Are you going to break them out? You're going to say, you 10 offensive linemen always stay together, and then you 10 offensive linemen over here always stay together. Well, it'd be like that Pat Green you song. Actually have, you actually have an offensive line group for a game. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't do something like that. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they keep – their quarterbacks separate to some extent. Because, I mean, think about it. You know, I mean, if if, if the quarterbacks are all together with uh, Mario Verduzco and one of them tests positive, are they going to take the whole team out or are they just going to go, no, the, the quarterback group was by itself with the quarterback coach. We don't have a quarterback this game except Bobby over here who played quarterback at junior in high school and he knows how to run, like, uh, I don't know, the beer. Hey. You know, it's like Novocaine. Give it time. It always works. You realize they're just going to have to do that this season. Yeah, but they're probably not going to be the only, you know, person in that boat, the only team in that boat. Well, yeah. So you'll go, let's say we go and we play Purdue, and Purdue doesn't have any wide receivers, but we do. Or Purdue doesn't have any cornerbacks, but we have all our wide receivers. I mean, people keep going into this season as if, you know, oh, we could beat Iowa. Well, anything could happen. You know what I mean? A car, a clown car could drive out in the middle of the field and have 48 clowns fill out of the, the middle of the game, and we'd be going, we still got football. Yeah, but you know what? Those clowns in that clown car are going to be, like, crucified in the news for not social distancing. <laughs> Except by the clown haters, and then it's all about the clown politics. Sure. Uh, real quick before we go, since we're talking about, you know, what it could look like uh, in the fall, University of Illinois laid out plans as we're recording this today, uh, the 16th of July, for football games, including requiring masks and banning tailgating. Athletic, this is from Chicago Tribune, although I found it elsewhere in, in my Inability to remember exactly where I saw it led me to Google, which led me to Chicago. Anyway, uh, Athletic Director Josh Whitman, Chancellor Robert Jones, and Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine Randy Ballard led a public video briefing to explain the decisions to increase safety as the nation grapples with the COVID-19 pandemic and the return of sports. In line with state guidance, Illinois will limit Memorial Stadium capacity to 20% with social distancing and reserved seating. Face coverings will be required in, quote, public areas and six-foot distancing observed in the, con- in the concourses. 
Uh, news release also noted tickets will be mobile only and concessions will be served as grab-and-go options and socially distanced lines with plexiglass barriers between servers and customers. There will be increased cleanings during games that uh, could lead to restrooms being closed for certain periods. So that's how one Big Ten school is, is uh, trying to tackle this, no pun intended. Or pun intended, fuck it, I don't care. There you go. That's what it's going to look like. <laughs> how'd you How'd you like to make that reservation to be one of the twenty percent? You know, in the in the, whatever stadium it is, and you're still in a nosebleed seat. Like, damn it! So, we're going to take a timeout. We have reached that part of the show. When we come back, we're going to talk a little Husker wrestling, not wrestling. That's a that's a different show altogether. You can find that on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network, jitterymonkey.com with my one, two, three cents, the podcast. That's a free plug for another one of the shows from another one of my podcast networks. I digress. More of the Five Heart Podcast is up next on the SB Nation Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast, coronation.com and the SB Nation Podcast Network. Greg Mahachko here along with our founder and fearless leader, captain of us all, Admiral of my heart, John Dam Johnston. <laughs> Just, I was, oh my god! <laughs> I was <That's> creepy. <laughs> I was with you till Admiral of my heart. No kidding. I... <laughs> Dear God. And I, I want to point out. I, I said to John during the break, but I haven't had a beer in a couple of weeks. So this is not like alcohol. This is just me being an idiot. So you're welcome, world. All right. Todd Wolverton is uh, back with us, although I'm sure he sometimes wonders why. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I keep coming back. I just glutton for punishment. Well, we're happy to have you here. Uh, you and your wild turkey. John and his Walmart headset. In his sister's basement. I'm the only one not in a basement. It just dawned on me. There's only three of us. I know. But I'm also the only one like in my own actual house, too. You are an <laughs> independent adult. This guy. He's got it figured it's out. Like, it's, like, it's like Todd's moved into assisted living now. Yeah, except <laughs> that the, wrong, the wrong people are giving assistance. Yeah, well, you know, stuff happens when your kids become worthless toads. You have to take care of them no matter the age. That's why I didn't beat him up early. All right. We're, so we're happy. A pathetic hey. human being. <laughs> Again, welcome back, Todd. <laughs> this, uh, this time around, if you've been following along on coronation.com, uh, our wrestling beat writer, uh, Dylan, has been doing his own personal countdown of the best Husker wrestlers ever. And again, we uh, we say it's very subjective. But Todd, who you've always been a wrestling fan and have always been a big contributor uh in not just, you know, on Coronation, but especially you were you were one of those big uh, you know, standard bearers when when it was announced that we were, you know, that John had uh finally gotten serious about Nebraska wrestling and uh, and brought on a, a Husker wrestling writer. So you, you've been, you know, you and, and uh, Dylan have gone back and forth in the comments, and, and just before the world went to shit, uh, you know, you two joined John on an episode of the Five Heart Podcast, so you've had an opportunity to visit with him a little bit. And, and uh, while we're not going to go, you know, number by number, of course, we can't go, Dylan's list isn't complete. The, the last uh, post that he made earlier this week was wrestlers, number seven and eight, but so far what you've seen, you know, uh, uh, I know that you've, you've, uh, bit your tongue a little bit here and there, and then you finally engaged in the comments, but, uh, uh, what do you think? I mean, I know we all love Dylan, so it's, this isn't a personal attack, Dylan, if you're listening, but uh, this is a subjective discussion. So give it to a start. You know, first of all, Dylan, I just love reading Dylan's stuff, and it's so great that, you know, there is a a, a wrestling writer. The only other wrestling writer that I've found out there on SB Nation is uh, the guy over at, uh, oh, that Iowa blog, um, whatever they call Blackheart thing. Blackheart Um, Poopy Pants. Okay. 
and he's good. He really does a great job writing about wrestling. Uh, but you know, I, I'm glad to see Dylan doing this, and he he's really uh, introspective, and and he does a nice job. And um, when he uh, announced that he was going to come out with the top ten Huskers, you know, it started rolling through my mind. I haven't put my top ten Huskers together yet, I guess. But you know, he he started off his articles, and one of the two that were outside the top ten, one of the two was Jim Shear, and I just kind of, oh my God, are that are there that many? Really, really, really good Nebraska Cornhuskers that Jim Shear didn't make the top ten, and uh, so I kind of sat back and I saw who was nine and ten, and then who was you know uh, seven and eight, and then I said, okay, Dylan, Jim Shear's got to be <laughs> up there somewhere. He's a top fiver in my opinion, but I I don't have all the stats, and you know Dylan replied and and you know kind of justified his ranking and stuff, and I understand that, but. I think one of the big differences, too, and the difference in his opinion and my opinion, not that we're the only ones that have an opinion on wrestling because there are some people following it, too, but um, it's generational, and it's, it's a little bit of generational bias, and I completely understand that. And, you know, there's uh, you do it in any sport when you start talking about great players. You're, you're very accustomed to the people of your generation. And so I guess I'm kind of looking at a few of the older people, the few of the older wrestlers, and... I was fortunate, you know, I was here in the early 80s at the university, and, and um, there were some damn good wrestlers here in the early 80s. And I guarantee you, uh, Bill Shear is going to be someplace in the top five. He's got to be. Um, I'm really curious, since Rulon Gardner was number 10, I'm really curious if Gary Albright is going to get into, you know, the top six someplace. He was an incredible heavyweight wrestler, too. And, um, I was fortunate that I knew Gary and I knew Bill and uh, I didn't know Jim Shear, but um, yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. I, obviously, I, I would be I would be shocked if if Dylan doesn't rank uh, Jordan Burroughs as the number one. Two things. Uh, one, I agree with you on on Jordan. Uh, you know, if somebody were to ask me, and I'm I'm very much outside. You know, I, I outside the main. You know, I'm, I'm more casual. You know, but somebody came up to me and said, "Who do you think is the greatest?" Nebraska University of Nebraska wrestler of all time, I would say Jordan Burroughs because he was the one when I was quote unquote coming of age, uh, you know, and started to follow it. And then he's gone on to have just a tremendous uh, international career, Olympic uh, gold medalist a couple of times, uh, and perhaps the greatest double leg takedown, you know, specialist that, that I've ever seen. But in regards to Bill Shear, uh, you said, you know, you'd be surprised if, you know, he, if he wasn't in the top five. And I just think, I, I'm going to get in Dylan's ear and be, make him number six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> well, it, it will be interesting because, um, you know, Bill Shear was, Bill Shear was an incredible wrestler and he was a world champion. Um, you know, he was one of those guys that at the time there were a couple other guys internationally that were in his same weight class. But, you know, um, there's a guy over at the University of Iowa named Dwayne Goldman who is highly respected. And uh, as there are many wrestlers over there and, and Bill Shear had his number and Bill Shear, um, you know, beat him a, a number of times. And Bill Shear won a national championship uh, beating Dwayne Goldman. So. I would hope that he's up there. I would hope that Gary Albright's up there as well, but we'll see. I, I, there's a couple of other names swimming around in my head that I would anticipate will be in the top five, uh, but we'll see. We'll see how he comes up. But it's fun. It's, I'm glad that he's putting the focus on wrestling. I'm glad that there are some people that are reading that article and they're starting to appreciate some of these guys um, you know, that have represented Nebraska because – Nebraska was good in the Big 8, and they were good in the Big 12. And they're holding their own in the toughest wrestling conference in the United States, the Big 10. So that's exciting. How long would you say, you mentioned you know, the Big 8, the Big 12, the Big 10, and you say specifically that the Big 10 is the toughest wrestling conference. But how far behind, I mean, when you go back to, you know, like, uh, would say the, the glory days of the Big 12, when you had... Nebraska, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State in particular. Uh, how how close are the top two conferences? Uh, you know, it, as far as it, it goes in ranking, uh, you know the the Power Fives 
and maybe it's different in wrestling because you can always find a few gems, a few diamonds in the rough at some of the uh, smaller schools. But but how close would you rank? You know, like the the top two conferences in in collegiate wrestling today. I would say it's Iowa. Excuse me, not Iowa. Oh Jesus, that's like that's that's bad. Um, the Big Ten is easily the best conference wrestling in the country, easily. And I would, I would venture to say that the second best conference is, is probably um, the Big 12 because Oklahoma State's still in that conference, and they traditionally are pretty strong, and Iowa State is getting better. Um, or the EIW, or excuse me, the uh, yeah, EIWA, which is out on the East Coast, um, you know, that might be the second best conference too. But um, it is – this is a sport that the big 10 conference dominates significantly. Mm -hmm. I I, had, they had the NCAA wrestling tournament this year. I truly believe that the big 10 would have had four of the top four of the top five teams. Easy. I'm looking forward to this unknown conference. You mentioned EIWA. Yeah. Like Lehigh and um, Colgate. No, not Colgate. Um, no, God, I'm drawing a blank now that you'd, you'd bring that up. Yeah. A bunch of the schools in Pennsylvania and New York. So. But the ACC is pretty Eastern good too, Intercollegiate you know? Wrestling Association. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to find your member schools. You have. Oh, this is actually a very large. Uh, well, I'll just go down. Here we go. American, West Point. Binghamton, Brown, Bucknell, Columbia, Cornell, Drexel, Franklin, Marshall, Harvard, Hofstra, Lehigh, Navy, Long Island University, Pennsylvania, Princeton, and Sacred Heart. Holy cow. Yeah, they've taken the Ivy League schools that are really good. And Cornell, Cornell is really good. Princeton has gotten a lot better. But, you know, it's the Big Ten by a long shot, then probably the Big 12, EIWA, and the ACC. ACC, North Carolina State, and – Virginia Tech have gotten to be very good, and North Carolina is coming along too. You think it would piss a lot of people off if I said that Cornell was the original Big Red? You might. That might happen. I, I don't. And then, I don't and think. then uh, ninety-five percent of people would go, "What the hell is a Cornell?" and not give a shit. I mean, honestly, and this is this is for uh, fans of The Office. The only reason I know that is because one of the Office characters, fictionally. Uh, went to Cornell. That's all. So here's wrestling trivia. Wrestling trivia. All right, I've got Cornell, Google ready. Cornell College, which is now a Division three school in Mount Vernon, Iowa, won an NCAA Division one wrestling championship. In what year? The fifties. So they bought all the good wrestlers and cheated and moved them there. Actually, they had some wrestlers. Permission to correct you, sir. Okay. 1947. Okay. Uh, became I'll the bet. first became the first team outside the state of Oklahoma, and the first in the state of Iowa to win an official NCAA wrestling tournament. And look and see if there's a guy named Rob Cole on that team. And that will be your connection to Cornell, the Cornell Cornell, the Big Red Cornell, because his son is the coach at Cornell. Or Tom Cole. Well, what what the hell? Which one is it? K-O-L-L. That's not (laughs) even how I... Wow. I'm afraid I can't help you. And not only that... uh, Oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Rob Cornell. Sure, we'll go with that. I don't know. It's not. It's not making for great. Uh, my googling things is not making for great podcast entertainment. No, it's not. But <laughs> let me tell you, when I click back over to the Zoom meeting and I see John Johnston's shapely leg, <laughs> I want to throw up. God. Oh, jeez. He's not wearing pants, I'm, everybody. Uh, wait, that you don't need to describe anything. I'm he, curling up on the couch now. Very comfortable and I'm being put to sleep by Todd's voice. 
He's he. John's not wearing pants. Everybody, just think about that. No, I am too. I'm wearing shorts. It's winter. Uh, I mean, it's summer for God's sake. Uh, uh, okay, what's next on the list? Well, I just wanted to uh, get Todd's t- take on uh, Jordan Burroughs because when I mentioned how he was kind of the master of the double leg takedown, I wanted to get his thoughts on why that move is so effective and you know why because it's his trademark. It is it is the thing he goes to. It's the thing that helps him win matches, win uh, tournaments, win gold medals, and it has been for 15 years now or, or better. Um, it, it's There's film on it. You just can't stop it. You know, it, it, it you scout against it. The double leg takedown. Yes. Yeah. What is this? Uh, well, he lunges at both legs, and he – correct. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a very layman's term, Todd, jumping. Uh, in fact – you're doing good. Okay. Oh, I'm doing good. All right. Uh, he lunges at both your knees, wraps him up, takes you down, gets you in a uh, pinning position, or, or you know, you get points for the takedown. Um, I, I'm I'm Greg explaining things, and it's not going to end well. Um, but uh, you get points for the takedown. Um, you know, if if you can work a pin out of it, um, Todd, uh, I'm floundering. Help me out. Well, yeah. The, the fact of, of the matter is the double leg takedown, any little kid, the first takedown that they ever learned, I don't care how old they are, is the double leg takedown. It's the most fundamental basic takedown that there is. You basically, you know, you lower your level, you drive into your opponent, you wrap up both legs with your head to the outside, you take him away from the legs, and you, in international wrestling, you try to expose his back to the mat, which Burroughs does wonderfully. Um, but it's it's straight on. You you go right at the guy rather than working angles. The the thing about it with with uh, Jordan Burroughs is that first of all he, he is incredibly strong. Um, he's he's a very strong athlete. Um, more importantly though, that makes him so effective with the double leg is that he he's got a, a tremendous burst. He's quick, and when he actually you know pulls the trigger and shoots. Uh, he is on on those guys so doggone quick they can't respond, and um, he's been incredibly effective with that. Uh, you know, and and you're right. He's he's won you know Olympic title. He's won world titles. I think I think he's got five gold medals at the world level, um, second only to John Smith. Uh, John Smith is the head coach at Oklahoma State. He had six. His takedown was called the low single, which he literally shot for a guy's ankle. And then he kind of twist and turn and kind of funky work his way out of it and and score from there. Um, it's it's really interesting though because the double leg takedown, while it's the first one every kid learns and and Burroughs does it incredibly effective, it's not that hard to defend. But Burroughs does it so damn mm-hmm. well that he can even execute it against you know the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, and explain to me maybe to John, uh, but certainly to me because John's smarter than me. Uh, the scoring difference and maybe the the strategic difference between you know wrestling NCAA you know Big Ten NCAA tournament versus you know like the freestyle uh, you know Olympics uh, style. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, I've heard it described. I think the best way to describe it is you know the style of wrestling that we use in the NCAA and, and high schools in the United States. The, the focus is on controlling your opponent. You want to control them. In college, they have riding time. They mm-hmm. award a point if you ride your opponent for a minute more or for a minute or more. Uh, so it's, it's very much about having control. In international freestyle wrestling, the whole purpose of that sport is to try to expose your opponents back to the mat. Um, simply exposing your opponents back in international wrestling is going to score points. In college and high school wrestling in the United States, you've got to hold him there for a certain period of time, back to the whole idea of control. So, um, you know, the, in the fundamental difference, you know, is that you're awarded in international wrestling for being very aggressive. In college and high school wrestling in the United States, you're rewarded for having control over your opponent. And a lot of times, I personally believe that college and high school wrestling, it can be pretty boring compared to the national of wrestling. Which and um, 
it, it rewards it rewards risk taking, I guess. Um, so those are the fundamental differences. The scoring is not a whole lot different in the in the two between the two. And then uh, one more Nebraska athlete wrestling connection that we can make here, Tanner Farmer, who came to Lincoln, and he was a, a Greco-Roman national champion coming out of Highland, Illinois, which is just up the road from my old stomping grounds, my hometown. And, uh, you know, after, you know, five years with the football team, went to Concordia and uh, uh, did a little uh, wrestling out there. Uh, one season, 26-1 and one overall, and uh, finished the runner-up, the NAIA national champions uh, at 285 pounds. That's not bad to step into something you haven't done in you know five years, and I mean I know Pat as, as we learned in the movie The Replacements with Gene Hackman and Keanu Reeves, you know well, why bring a sumo wrestler? And well, that's what pass protection is. It's you know body control things like that. But uh, you know all, a lot of years on the offensive line, you know didn't diminish his abilities too much. You know when he's NAIA national runner-up. Now Tanner Farmer was an outstanding wrestler in high school. He truly was. And um, Tanner Farmer could have gone on to a lot of colleges and been a very successful heavyweight wrestler. I think, you know, I remember something about maybe after his freshman year, his sophomore year, uh, he worked out with the wrestling team at Nebraska. I can't remember who the offensive line coach was at the time, but I remember reading a little bit about uh, they wanted him in the weight room and they weren't real happy with him about going into the wrestling room. But um Tanner Farmer was was very good. I'm not surprised at all that he had success at Concordia. You know, and and there's something to be said. And, and, you know, wrestling coaches in high school use this all the time, you know, saying if you want to be a good football player, you need about for wrestling. There was a period of time this last football season, the 2019 football season, that the University of Iowa, all five of their interior linemen were either state champion wrestlers or runners up. All five of them. And, you know, I, I think that that's more than coincidence. Now, Ference is going to recruit those kind of guys. His two boys were incredibly good high school wrestlers in the state of Iowa. Uh, so he looks for that. But, you know, there's something to be said. We got the, you know, the kid coming out of South Dakota, Hutchmacher, coming down here, who was, he's an amazing high school wrestler. Um, and I, I would venture to say that he's going to be very effective on the offensive line. Is it because they have better feet than those guys that don't learn how to wrestle? Feet and balance. Feet and balance, and they know how to fight with their hands. They know how to get their hands out in front of them, and they know how to fight. But more importantly, it's feet and understanding balance, knowing where they're at and that type of thing. As weird as it is, uh, my wife, I don't say she criticized me, but she gave me a look when I said I want to get our son involved in youth wrestling. And she's like, first of all, he's four right now. He'll be five in December. I don't know exactly when youth wrestling starts in this area. I think it's five or six. Uh, and she said, why? I said, well, first of all, he needs some discipline. You know, he, he doesn't listen to me. He barely listens to you. Uh, so it might be good for him. Might toughen him up a little bit. And the uh, the coach for what would be our, our youth program has a Nebraska tie. So kind of all I want to say. So, um, yeah. Kind of excited about that. He he was an assistant uh, at Nebraska uh, a few years back. So, you know, what, what can I say? I'm, it, be like, hey, see this this N? Want to work You want to give my give my son some extra extra lessons? There so, you go. <laughs> that's the goal. There you go. And, and I figure it can only help him as he gets. Because look, if he's anything like me, he's going to be six two, six three, and hopefully have. 240, 250 pounds that's distributed a little bit better than his old man. Uh, so, you know, we, we might, you know, I'd be all right with him, you know, taking up taking up some space on the on a line somewhere. So that's been fun. We don't usually get to talk a ton of wrestling. Uh, John hates it. He, he doesn't ever want me to talk wrestling. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Blame me. I, yeah, I will. John. John, he when he had the chance to up there in Minnesota to shoot that Big Ten tournament and get down close to those guys, he I think he developed a, a much higher appreciation for the intensity of you know the coaches and the wrestlers down there on the mat. And you know until you really can get that close to the action, I don't think you appreciate 
what it's what it's really like. It's amazing. Well, and I don't know if I ever talked about it with you, Todd, but like my high school didn't have football and it didn't have wrestling. Uh, you know, now it has football, still no wrestling. It's just not big in, in my area for schools that size. So when I got out to the panhandle of Nebraska and wrestling was a big deal, I started taking in. I started getting much more appreciative of uh, the art form. Uh, Shatter and High used to do it. Maybe they still do for duels. Uh, you know, they will uh, put a special light down, just, you know, have the, the gym dark and have the one little mat light, you know, overhead. And it makes it kind of a, a quote-unquote big fight feel. Um, so that, you know, that kind of presentation really drew me in. And then you see all the, you know, all the hard work by, by everybody involved. So I have a, a ton of appreciation for it. Um, yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm hoping new job that I have that I started last month, uh, with its flexible schedule, if they ever have the NCAA tournament in St. Louis again, that I can go over there, watch a little bit and, uh, maybe, maybe you'd press pass John. <laughs> Maybe John will send me. John will send me some of his high tech camera work. That'd be no. Okay. No on the camera thing. Well, you said I can stuff. rent them for like eight hundred dollars a day, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. No, I mean, I didn't you rent some recently for one of the games or something that you shot? You rent? Yeah, I rent them? lenses and stuff. Oh, I mean, no. you know. One of the lenses I use for football is $6,000, so am I going to buy that or am I going to rent it for a weekend and then have it covered by somebody else's insurance? I like the way you think, John. Yeah. So, uh, that's Of course, the- after this whole pandemic and there's no freaking sports being around, you know, you're probably going to be finding lenses laying around in the street abandoned. Now, the, certainly football games, they will still have some – aspect maybe not the full gamut but they'll still have some aspect of journalists at the game right well i mean if you're going to have sports you're going to have to have media people that's what i'm saying cover it. so you're good you can still acquire some of those lenses you mean like beat guys up and run off with them yeah that's what i mean okay. john yeah with your with your spaghetti noodle arms you're really gonna oh great now there we're they are. getting the you double shot let... do you think they're gonna let you know, photographers and stuff down on the field, you know, are they, you know, if they're going to have masks on coaches and other people on the sidelines that aren't active in the games, are they, how close are they going to let journalists get to the field, do you think? Well, I suppose they'll let them in there. They'll just have to do what everybody else does is social distance. I mean, if you ever, I realize that 99.9% people have never do this, but you go and watch a football game and look at what's going on on the sidelines for even an instant. There is so much going on on the sidelines, it's amazing. You know, you got media people down there, you got photographers down there, you got your TV crews down there. Those guys are hauling around, uh, you know, parabolic mics. You know, you see the guy with the, the parabolic mic pointing at the coach, picking up the sound and stuff. You got TV camera crews. Then you got the guys that are carrying the cords with them because those devices aren't uh, wireless. You know, then you got cheerleader squads, it, mascots. If you're in Minnesota, you got a mascot riding a freaking motorcycle, for God's sakes, or, a, uh, you know, a tricycle, whatever it is. But uh, officials, you got so bloody many VIP people that go down on the field because, you know, their grandfather gave the gymnastic team money and the people, somebody gave them a pass. But there is just massive amounts of stuff going on on the sidelines. And is all that going to happen? Well, you know, if you're, if we're going to have football, we're going to have broadcasts of games and people are going to want to know what happens. So you're going to have to have some level of coverage and some level of, you know, hopefully photographers down there because those guys need to eat too. Uh, you know, will they restrict how many of them are? I would guess that there'll probably be, limited you know nebraska has always been very good to us they've been very good i think in terms of allowing people who weren't part of the core of newspapers to get credentials and cover the games uh are they going to still be that generous with all of their passes and things like that you know probably not but uh you still got you got to have some coverage plus i mean if steve simple gets loses his job what happens to him 
he's going to be one of those winos living behind your house. Yeah, probably. But you, you see what I mean? I mean, you want to keep those people in business. Sure. You know, because right now, I mean, right now, we're, 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 we, every podcast we have to do this damn, are we going to have college football thing? Yeah, but this week know? we only get to do about for about four more minutes. Well, I, if you don't have football this fall and you don't have sports this fall, you're looking at really an extinction-level event for a lot of, you know, well, newspapers, number one. Uh, and I suppose there's a lot of people out there that are of the mind that, oh, well, let the media go out of business. Uh, they suck. They fake news, all this shit. You, you know what? If you don't support your local newspapers, they're going to be replaced by something else. And I can guarantee you, you do not want them replaced by something else. All right. Uh, I think the Omaha and Lincoln newspapers do a very good job for their constituencies. But, uh, you know, all the stuff that goes into fall sports, all the people that are supported by football games, you know, the bars, the servers, the people, I don't know, the guy that sells balloons. You know, even though I think the balloon tradition should go away, you know, a lot of those people are still, uh, you know, they're looking to make some money off this stuff. And I realize we shouldn't be doing, oh, my God, we need to make money. You're, you hate people's lives. Um, what do we got? We got five minutes left. Yep. You know, you got you have these media people that love to get up on their ivory tower and scream and yell and oh my god, this isn't worth it. What a bunch of bullshit lying bastards I think they are. You know what I mean? I do that sometimes. I know that I can yank your chains and get you going on a subject. Uh it's not just about sports. And number two, if you look at the student population, let's say my son Going back to school, I think all most of his courses will be online. But if you compare him to, like, let's say, I don't know, living in off-campus housing and having parties and doing whatever college kids do, compared to, like, having a bunch of football players that are probably going to stay with themselves, I don't want to say they're going to be sequestered, but somebody's going to be looking after them constantly. Somebody's going to be taking temperatures, taking tests. And if you don't have football, are those guys going to be less protected or more protected? And if you say, well, they're going to be less protected, you're right. So this whole concept that we can't have sports because it threatens the football players is a big load of bullshit. The reason why we can't have fall sports is because the universities will be sued by people who want to make money off the lawsuit. Not because those players are going to be more exposed than they would be if they were just part of the general population. Not because the coaches would be more exposed. I want somebody to find a hole in that argument. If Todd's working his brain here. I know he's got his little homeless guy brain working there. <laughs> Tell me why I'm wrong about that. It has nothing to do with the we need to protect college athletes. Because they're going to be people anyway. It has everything to do about a media screaming because, uh, you know, that's what they do. And I don't want to say it's fake news because they do have valid points and you should bring it up. But should you put more than a grain of salt into it? I don't think so. But I think they're going to be successful in making their little arguments and they're yelling so loud that they're probably going to cost university uh, presidents to say, no, we can't have any sports because they are terrified of making that decision. They're terrified of having one college athlete die somewhere and then somebody else is going to blame it on COVID as if that player wouldn't have got it from someplace else. I don't know, like living life right now when you go to Target or a grocery store or Walmart or where it is ever people go. I would agree with you. I agree with you, John. And I think the big thing right now, though, is – the college athletes are in the best situation they possibly can to be safe right now. The way they've got them sequestered, you know, nobody else is around. They're not going to classes and all that type of thing. So, you know, headed into the fall, I think there's a good chance that a lot of the college football programs will be in good shape in order to play games. But then you have the, at some point in August, you're going to have other students coming on campus. And to what extent are they going to be able to control the interaction uh, between the players and those students? But I think the other thing I'll just toss out, and I know we got to wrap up, is that 
what 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 is the point at which you don't play a game or at what is the point at which you pull players out of a game and i think that that goes back to what scott frost was talking about a few weeks ago is we have to define this a little bit different and once they come up with that definition i'll be real curious because i i i do believe we're going to have division one football this fall somehow we're going to have it well as we've been doing the last four months here on the Five Heart Podcast, we always end the show with more questions than we started the show. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Appreciate that. Uh, but at least the questions haven't really changed in in their uh, overall mess or overall uh, nature too much since March. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for next week when we're going to have a lot of talk, probably some food related, hopefully some sports and. Without a doubt, some COVID-19. That's just the world we live in. God bless us all. Uh, uh, so thanks to Todd for uh, jumping in. and, and uh, uh, not, th- Thanks, Todd, for not kicking the shit out of John today. And, uh, hey, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, we look forward to having you uh, back again, Todd, uh, numerous times. John, is always, an honor and a privilege. And thanks for being such a good sport while we pick on you. I'm wiry, you son of a bitch. You're, you're I'm the worst. <laughs> I'm the worst guy to fight. You're definitely something. Uh, so for myself, Greg Mahachko, for Todd Wolverton, John Dam Johnston, we remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John, go big red. <laughs> <laughs>